Hey guys, it's Sophie. Just before we get this episode started, I wanted to let you all know that upon re-listening to the episode and editing it, I've realized that um, this week I sound extremely annoying and I promise I'm not normally like that. I was just very enthusiastic, if you will, and it really carries over into my tone of voice and my responses. So moving forward, we will not be doing that again, but just wanted to fill you in and let you guys know before you start the episode that I promise it will get better and sincerely apologize for just how annoying some parts of this get. I tried to like edit over most of it, but it was getting to the point where I just would have needed to like re-record the whole thing. So yeah, just try to grin and bear it and get the information that you can so that you can tune in with us next week when I am not like that. So thanks, love you guys, and enjoy. Hey everybody, it's Sophie and Kate back with another episode of Big Girls Don't Crime. Um, This week we are doing part two of the Atlanta child murder. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go back and check it out. Um, Otherwise, if you have, stay tuned because we are going to give you a little bit more information and hopefully, I again, I don't know, but hopefully we get a little bit of a resolution in this episode. Wait, Kate. wait, do you want to go? I feel like we should also, like I'm thinking in the beginning of our episodes, like we should go through and like talk about like how many followers we had for like our last episode. Oh yeah, love that. Okay, so how many? Tell the stats. I do have them up. Um, I definitely think we need to have a full conversation about marketing. Um, right. Mm. Mm. So Purvis Payne 1, start 75, streams 49, and listeners 49. So that's pretty good. Wait, oh my God. Yeah. Wait, I kind of feel like that's pretty good. Purvis Payne 2, if you remember correctly, when we did this like last episode, we were like, oh my God. We had like four. Yeah. Not anymore. We had 27 starts, 15 streams, and 16 listeners. Okay. Me neither. I don't understand why streams is less than listeners. But, um, right. so murdered right. indigenous women is a bit embarrassing, to be completely frank. Um, it is three starts, two streams, right. and three listeners. Okay. So, I will say that we're just starting out. <laughs> yeah. And we're still figuring it out. So, we're going to get there. Sooner or later. Shout out to Jess, because she is the one who's, like, so excited every single time. She's, like, a loyal listener for three episodes. And she's the one who texted me, remember? And she said that, like, stormy. She was, like, my new favorite adjective is stormy, remember? I sent that to you. Yes, I saw that. And also, it might be a little early or premature, but maybe we could do, like, not prizes, but, you know. No, no, but I was thinking we could just do, like, a sister shout out, like, James Charles. Like, just be, like. Okay, fine. This week's sister shout out is. This week's sister sh- shout out is for Jess. Thanks for being a loyal listener. And thank you for also giving me my sense of humor. I love you. Love you, Jess. You're a queen. True. So. Do you have it up? Did I? Did you get the little eem? Okay. I do. I do have it up. I did get the eem. So I'm looking at it okay. right now. 
If they answer child murders, I thought we were only going to have three episodes. I am wrong. It's going to be about four. <laughs> All right. Well, here is two. So before we get started, let's just do a quick recap of what we talked about last week. Between July 1979 and 1981, a ruthless killer was targeting and murdering young black children and teenagers from low-income communities, and to this day, no one has been charged for any of the child murders. So some of the names that we talked about were um, Edward Hope Smith, Alfred Evans, and Yusef Bells. Um, So if you haven't... Yusef Bell. Oh, Bell. Yes, sorry. Yusef Bell. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, make sure you go back and listen to it. Um, But that's just kind of a brief overview of what we've talked about in last week's episode. So we're going to continue with that this week. And Kate, you want to start us off? Yeah. So we're going to pick up where we left off after a little recap. So the task force is created, and it's like the largest task force in U.S. history, and they're going to be investigating the possible link between all of the kids' murders, but kids are still going missing at this time. So the next child to go missing is 10-year-old Earl Terrell, and on July 31st of 1980, Earl's relatives invited him and his brothers to go to the community swimming pool with them, and so Earl's brothers didn't go, but one of his brothers gave him a gold swimsuit and $2 to enter the pool. He got in trouble at the pool and he was asked to leave and everyone, I guess no one really went with him and everyone just assumed that he like got, went home, but he never returned home and his body wasn't found until January 9th, 1981. So in August of 1980, 13 year old Clifford Jones disappeared while he was visiting his relatives in Atlanta from Cleveland and he was, while he was picking cans for money, like I guess they used to like pick up aluminum cans. It's the same nowadays, like people trade cans in for coins and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so that's, like, what – I guess that was, like, a big thing. So that's what he was doing. And then um, because he was from another city, it became, like, much more of, like, a national story than it had been before because it wasn't just, like, Atlanta children now. It was, like, any black child, I guess. I don't really know how it would be national attention beforehand, but, like, whatever. So his body was discovered August 21st, 1980, and it was next to a shopping center dumpster, and he was strangled to death. I know. In September of 1980 – 10-year-old Darren Glass goes missing. He was reported missing September 14th, 1988. Okay. Oh, sorry. I read that as in September, like September 10th, 1980. So I was like, how did it take four days for this kid to be reported missing? Oh. Oh, I see. Anyways, he lived in foster homes, and this was not his first time running away from home. And to this day, he still remains missing, and his body has never been found And because of this, um, it's sometimes not connected with the child murders. Which, I mean, I guess that's valid if you have no evidence to connect it. But at the same time, it seems a little fishy. Well, and also, too, you know what I... Well, like, in my opinion, I guess, like, it makes a little bit of sense. Because all the other... Like, all the other victims were found in, like, pretty easy spots. Like, it wasn't like people had to go out of their way to find them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe that has to do with it. But also, like, so... That's true. I mean, it's really sad because I don't know why, but it made me really sad because it, depending on which article, like his name would be spelt differently. So it just made me sad that like no one even like cared. It felt like to me, you know what I mean? Like no one yeah. cared enough to even get the spelling even right. Said his name right. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know if that's how you spell his name. That's I have terrible. no idea. In October, on October 9th, 
12-year-old Charles Stevens goes missing and his body is found October 10th, so just one day later, strangled in a trailer park about five miles away from his home. This report says he was suffocated, but the police, according to a Times article, were able to gather a little green fiber from the scene. What report says he was suffocated? The Woman's Health magazine. <laughs> okay, so the Woman's Health magazine reports that he was suffocated. But then in another thing, it said he was strangled. Wait, suffocated and strangled are the same. No, I... I I mean, in my opinion, no. when I hear suffocated, I think like, like, and when I think of strangled, yeah, exactly. That's what I think. For our listeners, Kate just held her hand over her mouth, and then for strangled, she held her hand over her throat. <laughs> so. Three days after his body was found, a gas boiler exploded in the Bowen Housing Project daycare center, and it killed four black children and one adult. Do they think that this was connected? Why don't you just, like, read the next bullet point? Okay, sorry. Here I go. I'm reading the next bullet point. Authority. This is a quote from Kate's notes. Quote, authorities tried to tell people it was unrelated, but they were like, um, end quote. So, so like, you know. Just to give you the educational jargon, the, the. <laughs> the thought process of writing this script. Right. Yeah. So the next kid to go missing was nine-year-old Aaron Jackson. He was a fourth grader at John Wesley Dobbs Elementary School, and he lived with his father, who was a $5-an-hour construction worker, as well as his two older half-sisters. So typically, he would roam around for days at a time, and he would go wherever he could find a meal. His mother sent Aaron to live with his father in Atlanta the previous April because she thought it would give him a better education. Yeah. I also am pretty sure his mother was a waitress in D.C., but I, for some reason I didn't write that, but I'm pretty sure it was his mother who was that waitress. It's a little connection to your parts of the woods. Yeah, from my neck of the woods. So Aaron's father turned on the TV and found another black boy had been found dead. The dad went to look for him, and Aaron was supposed to be visiting a friend, and he couldn't find him, so he called the police, and they brought a picture of the body they found, and it was Aaron. Okay. So he he saw literally on the news. Oh, my God. Because I don't... Yeah, so I guess he didn't even report him missing. So he was discovered on November 2nd, 1980, lying face up on a riverbank, strangled about one mile away from his home. I know. I know. I told you this is a bad case. Why? <laughs> Why the fuck do murderers... Murderers. <laughs> murderers. Why is that? Why? Why? Tell me why. I'm pissed. I just don't even understand. Not only am I pissed that you're targeting kids, but like... Well, I'm pissed that you're a murderer. But like, why are you targeting kids? I don't know. So back to the story... Geneva Smith was the manager of Neeson's supermarket, and he said that before Aaron died, the gas and lights were cut off, and for a while his house was dark and cold. Then the school PTA took up a collection and got the lights turned on. A neighbor raised money for the gas. That's really sweet. Okay. So in December of 1980, 16-year-old Patrick Rogers is found, like, on the Chattahoochee River, 
And he knew several of the previous victims, and apparently he's being investigated by the police for robbery. Um, and he is the first victim to thought to have been dropped from a bridge into the river. So just, like, keep that in the back of your minds. Um, by January 13th, 1981, a black child had been disappearing on average every four weeks for the past 18 months. So on Saturday, January 5th, 1981, 14-year-old Luby Jeter was selling Zep products I'm not sure what that is, but it like every report differs what he was selling. So he was selling products at an outdoor mall in South Atlanta and he went missing that day. And Luby had hit a Klansman's truck with his go kart and the piece of shit vowed to strangle Luby to death. Um, so Luby was actually found a month later in a wooded area and he had been strangled to death. And according to a spin article, dog hairs were found on his body and his genitals, lower pelvic area, and both feet were missing. And an eyewitness claimed she saw him getting into the car with a tall white man with a jagged scar on his neck. And the dog hairs were thought to be from a Siberian husky. So, like, Luby Jeter's body, the way it was found, and also just, like, Luby Jeter in general, it's really important. It's going to be really important for episode four of this series. So, remember it. Make a mental note. Yeah, make a mental note. Um, so three officers were actually demoted for their handling of his case. According to the Washington Post, quote, Fulton County Medical Examiner R.E. Stivers threatened to sue the Atlanta police and the FBI for tampering with the crime scene after officers carelessly tossed bones of the children discovered into plastic bags. And R.E. Stivers said, quote, those idiots really did mess up when his own investigative team went back and they found 11 more teens and bones from the site where the police had already been. So, like, the entire thing was just a fucking disaster. Um, on January 9th, 1981, pol police decided that they should search some of the previous dumping grounds, and they find skeletal remains on Red, Red Wine Road, and ended up discovering two skeletons that day. Christopher Richardson, who had been missing for seven months, uh, was identified as one of the skeletons, and it takes a full week for him to be identified. The other skeleton is Earl Terrell. They both had similar fibers on them, and so their deaths were probably linked, and the police are were trying to see... I don't know why I wrote this in present tense. And the police were trying to see if the fibers found on the two of them were found on any of the other previous link victims to link them. Also, you texted me in the middle of this, so... Oh, don't. Okay. 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 So, so we just texted me something that she does not me want me to read aloud. That's why it was texted to me. Um, well, no, just don't, don't, don't. Okay. The fibers that they were found on them were green carpet fibers, so they're very distinctive. Okay, on January 23rd, 1981, 15-year-old Terry Pugh's body is found, and he had disappeared at a hamburger restaurant in East Atlanta the night before, and he was discovered strangled on the side of the road. Um, in February 1981, a boy who was not publicly identified escaped a kidnapper's car at a red life, light and described the suspect to police. That's crazy. Patrick Baltazar, who was 11, is the next boy to go missing. He came with his little brother to visit their father in Atlanta for the summer, and they were from rural Louisiana. And he was like one – it was like one of 10 or one of 15 – children so patrick and his friend were playing a video game at the omni downtown and they were approached by a stranger and it was a heavyset white man who pulled up and asked the two boys if they wanted a ride patrick said to his friend quote man that might be the killer patrick called the task force line 
from a payphone, and they said they would send a car out to investigate. His friend gets tired of waiting for the police, and he leaves. The police actually thought this was a prank call and never had any intention of sending a car out. And he was last seen then. You're fucking... I know. God, imagine the work that they had to go through after this call. They had just taken it seriously, showed up that two-minute drive Mm -hmm. over there to be like, okay, these kids are playing a prank. I'll just check it out anyways. Would have saved them a lifetime. Wait, I don't know if we've talked about this story, but I feel like this is very reminiscent of this story. Um, So when me and Sophie came home from Jordan, we had both not really drank that much. We were both of age, though. Yes, we were both of age, but we hadn't drank that much when we were in Jordan. So when we came home, we had very low alcohol tolerance. Um, so Sophie came and visited me, and we visited our friend, Beep Beep. I don't like feel like he's saying his name in the podcast. My boss asked me if we hate him. She's like, so I, I, she was like, so I get the sense that you hate that Trey character. And I was like, no. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like so many people must be like, wow, they are so abusive to him. But that's just our relationship with him. But he's also, like, abusive far more to us. Yeah, I agree. He's way more abusive to us, but, like, low-key abusive. Don't talk about that night. That's so embarrassing. We have to crop that out either way. Because I can't have people that I know listening to that. Being a lightweight (laughs) is cheap. So. True. True. The police wanted his parents to wait 20... This is Patrick's parents. The police wanted Patrick's parents to wait 24 hours before reporting him missing, as they normally do. And his body ended up being discovered a week later behind a vacant building. And his stepmother was asked to come identify his body, which is fucking horrible. He ended up being the 17th black child to be murdered in the past 20 months. Okay, so there were two unidentified head hairs on his body that did not belong to him. On March 6, 1981, 13-year-old Curtis Walker's body was found partially submerged on the bank of the South River a few weeks after he had disappeared and he had been suffocated. Okay, so his mother, Catherine Leach, believed that it was the KKK that was responsible for his death. But she even still believes that to this day. Oh, to this day she still believes that. Mm-hmm. She watched his body being pulled up from the river on TV. Also, like, I feel like it's so weird, like, and thinking about that. Like, is that a thing anymore now? Like, the media, like, goes out and, like, watches the police. Like, you know what I mean? The media does literally anything to make money. The media would stab me in the face and then <laughs> report about my murder if they could to make money. So, yes, I have, I really don't struggle. I do not struggle to believe that. No, I don't struggle that. to believe it. I struggle to, because I've never seen it. Like, I'm saying, like, that's weird that, like, we have not seen yeah, that. Yeah, but... Because everything's on social media now, so... I guess. True. So in March 1981, the media starts, of course, reporting about these fibers found on the victims. That same month, Frank Sinatra... What? Musical genius. I literally love Frank Sinatra. I think he's... I mean, he's a genius. So Frank Sinatra and Sammy David Jr. have a benefit concert in Atlanta and raise $150,000 to help the city with their investigation. Muhammad Ali pledges $400,000. Ronald Reagan sends Vice President George Bush to Atlanta 
and he pledges $3 million in grants and federal emergency funds. And then on April 20th, 1981, despite all of this money that's being filtered into this project, Joseph Bell, who is 15 years old, is found in the South River. He was not related to Yusef Bell, just as a side note, because they have the same last name. But they also kind of have the same first name, too, though, if you think about it, because, like, Joseph and Yusef, like, it's the same name. Is that the same yeah, name? Yeah, Yusef is Joseph. Yusef is the Arab. Yeah. Group. Okay. Um, so Yusef and oh that's funny so well not funny that's isn't that interesting I thought of that incidental I feel like I should google that Um, before I if I don't edit it out say that on the pod why not which is fine so um Joseph Bell had last been seen at the fast food dish restaurant near his home one month prior oh fish fish (laughs) it's supposed to say fish not dish (laughs) Timothy Hill 13 goes missing next after quote Jojo I guess that's Joseph's name. Okay, nickname. And he was found March 30th, 1981. He went missing after. Okay, so I think I'm going to clarify. Timothy Hale, who was 13, he went missing after Joseph Bell in March. Yeah. But he was found before Joseph Bell or JoJo on March 30th, 1981. So Joseph Bell goes missing. Timothy Hill goes missing. Timothy Hill is found March 30th. 30th. Yes, ma'am. Joseph Bell is found April 20th. He was found in the chat <laughs> in the Chattahoochee River and his cause of death was asphyxiate. Asphyxiate. <laughs> you are slurring your words. He was found March 30th, 1981 in the Chattahoochee River and his cause of death was asphyxiation. Over the next two months, people were disappearing more frequently with almost a child disappearing every 10 days. So, however, the city instills a curfew for children from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. And so at this time, the victims begin to get a little bit older. And most of these victims ended up being mentally disabled in some degree or way. Like it made, and they were also like so much smaller in stature too. So it was like they wouldn't fight back. Yeah, easier to like abduct i guess yeah so eddie duncan is the first adult okay so also this is weird because the adults like are hardly talked about but they're always connected but they're not ever talked about like fully you know what i mean Mm. yeah okay so eddie duncan he's the first adult to disappear and he was 21 and he's found in the chattahoochee river the next victim is larry rogers a 21 year old who was found april 1981 he was last seen getting into a car with a black man and he was discovered in an abandoned apartment building about six blocks away from his home next is michael mcintosh 23 found april 20th 1981 and he was last seen 20 days before his body was found in the south river jimmy ray Payne, 21 was found april 28th 1981 he was like really small and police think he was actually mistaken for a teenager and he was found in the chattahoochee river by three boys who were fishing in that area john porter the oldest of all the victims was 28 and he was discovered april april 12th 1981 and he was found stabbed in an abandoned lot the fires found on his body made the police hesitant to connect him with the other victims William Barrett, 17, goes missing on May 11th, and he is found on May 12th, and he was strangled. Okay. So can we just, like, basically slurp all the water out of the Chattahoochee River and just call it quits? Well, wait, listen, listen. So the police are like, this man is obviously paying attention to the news because 
ever since the news reported that they're finding fibers on these kids, they start showing up in the river. So he's been throwing the bodies in the river to wash away the fibers. So then Mike McComas, which was one of the detectives, lived on a river and he knew that if you threw something into the river and you don't get it into the mainstream of the river, it just comes right back to like whatever side you threw it from. So, for example, if I threw you in a river and I was on the bank, you would come straight back to me. But if I threw you off of a bridge, you wouldn't come back. I get it, but I'm a little, like, my use me. But, okay. So, wait. So, they think that the perp wasn't throwing the bodies off the bridge. No, they think he was. Because, like... But wouldn't the body then not wash up if he had been throwing them off the bridge? No, it would, but it would wash up in the exact same... It would wash up in the same spot he threw them. So, like, if he didn't throw them off the bridge... It would just wash up right where he threw them. And because he threw them off the bridge, they're washing up farther downstream. Exactly. Okay, I get it. So they, so then they were, like, pretty positive that he was throwing them off the bridge. And so the police decide to do, like, a little stakeout in, out, like, on the bridges of, like, the South River and the Chattahoochee River, I think. Both of them, I'm pretty sure. And see if they can catch, like, the man throwing the bodies into the river. They put two people below the bridge as lookouts, like on either side of the bridge as lookouts. And then they put two police cars on either side of the bridge hidden Mm -hmm. from sight as chaser cars. So the idea was like the people below the bridge would radio the chaser cars and be like. Right, right, right. We found him. This body like through. Yeah. So it lasted. It was going to last 30 days because it was just like so much manpower and like no one was really sleeping. And so it lasted for 30 days and they didn't find anything. And so the last night of the stakeout, they were like, okay, like if we don't find anything, that's it. We can't do anything else. And it's Atlanta at 3 a.m. in May. And at 2.55 in the morning, the police hear a splash. And one of the police officers, Campbell, was a high school swimmer. And he knew what a body sounded like when it hit the water. And he was like, yeah, shit, that's a body. Or so he looked up and he saw a light at the bridge and it looked like a car that was starting to move crossing the bridge. So they radioed the chasers. And the chasers follow this white station wagon for a few miles before pulling it over as it crosses another bridge. And they pull the car over on I-285, a mile south of where it was first spotted. Oh, and that's where we're stopping? Yeah. Isn't that like a good cliffhanger? Maybe we'll get more listeners now because, like, I left a little cliffy. Make sure you guys, for our devoted listeners who are checking in every single week, make sure you tell your friends about us. Um, Yeah. And don't you want to be sister shout-out? Yeah, if you tell your friends about us and you send us a DM and say, I told my friends and they started listening, hell yeah, you'll get a sister shout-out or a brother shout-out. Or if you want to say a non-gender shout out yeah we're just saying i feel like we might get sued we're, for saying sister shout out no we won't sister brother sister shout out is something james charles does it's not something we're copying yeah so okay yeah so <laughs> any anyone can get a sister shout out irrespective of your self-identified what are like a stormy shout out a stormy shout-out. Yeah, we could do stormy shout-out. I like stormy shout-out. Okay. Like stormy Jenner, kind of. Except, oh my god, she's so cute, I want to punch her in the face. Okay, so make sure you check us out. Make sure you tell your friends about us. Make sure you listen to this week's episode. And don't forget to tune in next week. For now, we'll leave you with that. Signing off. Love you all. Keep listening. Thank you so much. And stay tuned for next week. XOXO.